it was like that kind of classic experience you can hear described sometimes when people come out to their friends and their friends are like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Discovering that there's actually a word, because I'd always prior to that said that I didn't feel male or female, and now there's a word for it, and it's non-binary, and that's been amazing. It's so important to create the spaces where people feel safe being themselves and and light the fire under my ass a little bit to to kind of make those spaces happen or do whatever I can to contribute to that or that representation. What queer identity has done is it's just opened up life for so many relationships, not needing to have these prescribed societal forms. Things have this ability to be malleable. Deserts are for folks who want to know something deeper. I mean, the desert is gay as hell. This is Lift Up, a show that elevates LGBTQ plus voices in the high desert. We're happy you're here. I love the idea of being versus becoming. I feel like I'm constantly in a process of becoming a woman. You know, that there's no true destination in that, that it that it is this constant uh, metamorphosis this episode, we have a conversation with Josie Lohner. My name is Josie Lohner. I'm here in Moab currently. I, I live with my partner here. I'm an artist and a musician. I was born in Indianapolis, Indiana, um, and I, I was there until I was eight years old. And then my mother took a job when... Uh, uh, when I was about eight or nine, I think I was in third or fourth grade, and and she took a job as a nurse on the Navajo Nation. So that would have been 20 years ago. Uh, so I lived there for two years until I was 10 and then moved back to Indiana. Then I lived in the metro Atlanta area for 13 years. Um, that's where I've lived like most of my life, I'd say. That's probably the most influential place. I've also like lived for short periods of time, uh, van-dwelling in uh on the west coast uh in northern california i've also lived uh for for a a summer in philadelphia (laughs) i've i've spent time kind of all up and down all over the country really i've at at various points in my life doing artist residencies and things like that so uh many places is the answer (laughs) so the sense of like home what's very interesting is I, i read the owls a lot of time occupy like other birds nests and I kind of identify with that. I've, I, you know, I had kind of a turbulent home life as a kid, so a lot of the time, actually being at home can stress me out a little bit. And I find that I get these creative surges when I go to other places that are established. If that makes sense. So, oddly, my home is sometimes like the road. Sometimes ending up in some weird art punk house that I, I like don't really know anybody. We're all getting to know each other, but it's like very creative and kind of chaotic. That's like my ideal environment. So recently I've been leaning into that idea that home is just like, yeah, where, where friend, like good relationships are at. Yeah. People you love. So I like that about Moab. I like that. I start talking about like blue Lotus flower tea and somebody's like at the rave, like, Oh yeah, I've been, I've been, I've been drinking the Lotus, you know? And I'm, I'm like, it's something that I thought like, who would, who would even know about this, you know? And, and there's like two or three people popping up that are, you know, in other places, I guess I felt like maybe it was a a touch of an obscure topic, herbalism, but I'm very, very interested. Also the birding, you know, all that kind of stuff. There's also a lot of kind of weirdo, just artist 
artist types, rock climbers also is this whole culture that I've never experienced in my life, but they're also like weird and freaky and into rope and stuff like that, you know? <laughs> so they're like, uh, yeah, it's like a, a lot of like, um, I'm like in recovery. So there's a lot, you know, a lot of people in recovery do rock climbing because it's like such a rush. And I, so I'm kind of, yeah, it's interesting. I'm just finding new ways to interact with nature. I get the sense that there are a lot of queer people here, but maybe there's not, um, or maybe I'm just not necessarily tuned into it, but it doesn't seem like there's like a super strong fabric or network connecting them, which I've experienced that in a million places. I I will say like, I I don't think I know another trans woman here. Um, I know, you know, and it's weird because I'm like, where do I put the lines with that? Because I definitely know this is one thing that I'm always saying is like once you've been out for several years, I feel like you start to see people that are like not out yet and you can just like see it a lot of the time. And it's like you don't want to be like you're trans, but, you know, it's like it's hard to explain, but I see trans as a spiritual thing. And so I think sometimes people are in that place spiritually where like they're they're, they're they begin to look androgynous the way that they're, they are moving or talking or what I don't know what it is, but. Yeah, it's, it's just happened to me many times that, you know, I'm and, and sometimes, you know, especially like young men who present feminine may may be like queer. They may be bisexual or they could possibly be like trans women who just haven't discovered that yet. I'm constantly being pushed back in the door and having to ask the question again. You know, I'm constantly like ending up in a place where I'm like, OK, well, maybe I am a man. Maybe this is all just a game. And then I like look in the mirror. Yeah, I'm like. Maybe this is all just a game. Maybe I am just just a man after all. I'm not, I'm <laughs> and then I like look into the mirror and I'm <laughs> like, yeah, that's literally impossible. <laughs> that's you know, I, I I love the idea of being versus becoming. I feel like I'm constantly in a process of becoming a woman. You know that there's no true destination in that. That it that it is this constant uh, metamorphosis slow process. Yeah, and that's also a specific thing is it's like being being gay or lesbian, like your population is just higher, just flat out. It's it's significantly higher than your the trans population anywhere, which means, you know, it's like people say there's only four lesbian bars in the country. They say stuff like that. There's like no trans bars, literally. There's not the only trans district in the country is in San Francisco. There's not a single like trans neighborhood in the entire country. And there's a gayborhood in every country, in every city, you know. So it's just something that, um, yeah, it's weird because I'm like, if I look at the queer community, there's definitely a lot of like queer people here. For me specifically, you know, trans identity is an important thing and it I mean, it's just um, kind of always a little bit lonely like that um, in more rural places. I've had some really complex experiences specifically. Like one thing I love is like people when they party, they cross dress a lot here. But that also makes things kind of complicated for me because 
I'm not a cross-dresser. I'm like a trans person. So I always look that way. So like when I go to these parties and I'm like dressed femme, I'm, I still get treated like a man in a lot of ways, if that makes sense. Because there are so many men who are cross-dressing there. What ends up happening is it brings up all these complexities when I'm in a space with like straight or bisexual men who like I still, you know, I don't want to constantly spend my time pushing myself away from them because we have more in common than we do different, basically. And I think the same thing about like cis women or trans. I literally think across the entire queer community, we focus too much on our difference because we're like really alike really alike in the ways that we're oppressed because we all deal with housing discrimination and employment discrimination and, you know, all the same shit, drug addiction and, uh, like viruses that kill us, things like that. Um, but yeah, so I don't want to separate myself from that kind of behavior because literally that's how I started, uh, like be presenting feminine and being a trans person is that I just cross-dressed at like a party. So it's like, I don't want to necessarily distance myself from it, but I cross-dressed at a party like seven years ago. And then I, you know, did that every day after that. And like also lived in the city and was homeless and like in a dress, you know, like it's, it's like, I'm not just at a new year's party in a dress. I'm not just on a stage in a dress. I'm not just on Instagram in a dress, you know, it's like, I'm like walking through fucking rural Indiana in a dress. I'm going to Texas looking like that uh, so yeah it's like when i go on tour like i drive through the entire united states looking like that and uh so it's just it, it creates a lot of complexity for me where i'm like yeah i want to encourage that i think it's gender bending is really sick but it's weird for me it's like such a fucking like it's a lethal deadly thing uh to do it outside of a safe space um if i go anywhere on maine during the summer i'm unsafe uh I've had like <clears throat> old guys with fucking guns on their hips, like staring at me real, like you shouldn't be here. Like, you know, uh, I've had like city market. I had, I send people to get my groceries for me sometimes because yeah, the tourist traffic. Um, what's interesting about that is like, you could be in, you could be in LA, a progressive town, you'd be in New York. Uh, and I was telling you this before, I was in uh, San Francisco one time and I accidentally like stumbled into the Alcatraz like tourist zone. And then suddenly I'm just in the Midwest, you know, I'm just in like a rural area. It's it's a bunch of families from all over the United States. It's not curated, especially after, yeah, after the dual murder of a lesbian couple, I don't feel safe. Um, yeah. And, and it's, it, there's, there's definitely been a lot of, uh, I mean, yeah, and then, you know, thinking also Southern Colorado is so close to here. There was just like the club shooting in Colorado Springs. And that has literally led me to ask, can I book gigs there? Like, is it okay? Am I literally like putting my own people at risk trying to like book a gig to uh, like support trans youth in this small town that I live in? Like, can I make a poster for that? And a Facebook event for that? Or is that going to like literally like put these people that I'm trying to unite at uh, in, in danger of getting shot? Like it's, it's bringing up questions like that. Like, can I uh, can I run ads on Facebook and Instagram where I'm like openly trans 
without being able to control who's seeing them and who's possibly following my, my, my tour dates, you know? Uh, it, yeah, it just brings up these, these questions of like, is it okay to be an openly trans performer? Because like the way that this has been politically justified is like drag reading hour or whatever, that people shouldn't dress up and read things to, to children. So it's like, they're, they're relating it to enter like this entertainment thing, uh, is like the reason that they're shooting these clubs up and like that's literally what i do i'm not a drag performer but i am a queer entertainer they will react really strongly and i think it has to do with basically uh these really harmful stereotypes about trans people like all the trans people that have been portrayed in film they're serial killers they're having a mental break they're drug addicts they're sex workers these are like the only narratives that we get and um you don't see trans Han Solo, you know, you don't get like trans Aragorn from Lord of the Rings. You just get like a sad uh, wretch character that is getting abused, you know. So it's like all of our representation, it um, it basically creates the stigmatized image of what we are to people. And so they see me and they think there must be something wrong with me. You know, I, I think there's just a strong correlation between transness and mental illness, which is why I actually was saying earlier, I like to conceptualize it as a spiritual thing because I don't think it is psychological. I think it has a lot more to do with how you feel on the inside. It is not just about artifice and appearance. In Cortez, they literally have passed a thing where like teachers can't have rainbow and like stickers in the school. The LGBT alliance has been like is like getting banned and stuff like that. They had a gay teacher. I I went to <laughs> I went to an interview for this school, and that's like I got I was going to work with children, and I got asked literally like eight times if I was a pedophile. And uh the dude asked me over and over and over again. And I was like, I said no. I said, no, run the background check. I, it's just like, I don't know what else you want me to tell you. I don't know why you have to ask me this so many times. I told you no. And I think the reason that that's such a, a nerve for me and that, that, yeah. And at a different school in Cortez, I decided not to take the job because I heard that there was a gay teacher there and the, 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 um, the adults started pulling their kids out of the class. And so this is something that it kind of actually brings me to this whole thing about visibility and resistance that like you have a bunch of trans people in like San Francisco, New York, L.A. talking about like basically cranking up the fucking the visibility on us. But like if you don't live in San Francisco or L.A. or New York, you don't have anywhere to go. So now that all these people that don't know what trans people are suddenly know what it is because they've got some like super removed. They've got RuPaul's Drag Race. That's what they think we're trying to turn the world into. That is just like this creative thing. It's a fantasy thing. It's not like it's, it's, you know, it's creativity. We don't like, I don't know. People don't actually dress like that. You know, it's, it's a performative art form. So it's like people get that waved in front of them and they think like, this is what we're trying to do. This is what we're trying to change the, the world into. And then they see me in a Walmart and they want to kick my ass. You know, it's like visibility is actually very dangerous for trans people.
I have played male roles in film. This is an interesting topic. I'm I love theater. Um, I love film, but I think it's like very outdated the way that we do casting calls. And it's always like eight male roles, six female roles. I think literally it actually doesn't matter. The only reason it matters is heteronormativity. You're like, oh, two, a brother and a sister couldn't be a sister and a sister. Why? Why? A mother and a father couldn't be a mother and a mother couldn't be a father and a father. Why? What is the obstruction there? I mean, unless there's literally an, an explicit line about genitalia, which is kind of uncommon. Why does it matter what gender you cast the character as? It doesn't. And it's it's like Hollywood's doing that now. You know, they're like casting like the Kynes character in Dune in the book. It was a white guy in the movie. It was a black woman and literally nothing. It was in nothing was harmed by doing that. It was fine. The character was great. I think I think she did an excellent job. So it was like I don't think uh, it actually has to be that. uh yeah, that's segregated. But I've gotten cast basically as male leads. And it's really funny because I'm more into character acting. Um, it happens a lot. Like every movie I've been in, I get cast as a cis man. I've been in the background of two movies and I, I was in this play. And so I am I know that it's just like they don't write a non-binary role. And if they do, there's one. And if they do, it's like Samantha's daughter, they, them child on sex in the city which is just bullshit honestly I, like i don't i don't want that that's not representation you know that's not actually what trans people care about also it's like most trans people i know are really into like sci-fi and fantasy so like if you want to make something representative of us trans people fighting dragons and stuff like that is like way more on top of it than like euphoria a bunch of trans high schoolers i don't care about trans high schoolers you know i want I want trans Star Wars, like straight up. Um, yeah, and so that's what I'm, it's kind of, it's made me pretty angry because of how intensely, like when I'm on these sets, people are just like, you're a man, you're a, we're on this cowboy set, you're a cowboy now, you know? And it's like, you know, I look at myself in the mirror, I don't even recognize myself. They pull my hair back. It's hilarious. Like everything that I'm on, they're like, oh, that, but the hair's got to go. And I'm like, the hair was in the picture I sent you, you know? I, it's not a new feature, but they hide my hair. So every time I play a man, they literally pull my hair back and all this and everything I've been in, um, alter my appearance and make me look more. But yeah, I'll say it's definitely like been uh, disturbing and made me feel like I can't be an actor as a, as a trans person, that I'm not allowed, that I either have to be a cis man because I probably can't get cast as a cis woman because I'm not really passing or I just don't get roles. It's pretty much that simple because the roles are not being written for non-binary people. Because for some reason, I guess like this is the thing that I don't understand is the only thing you really have to change is pronouns in the script. And like I said, unless you're like specifically referring to somebody's gender for some reason. Oh, I used the male dressing room for sure. Which was hilariously stressful because it was like a bunch of uh, like cattle rancher guys. And uh, so the first couple days, it was like cool because I don't think people really saw what I was wearing in the morning before I changed into cowboy clothes. So the first couple days, everyone was vibing with me because they saw me as like a cis guy. But then one day I wore like tights onto the set and everyone was weird with me on the bus. They were all, it was like, oh my God, like it's hilarious because it's like, he's gay. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> she, 
<laughs> is a lesbian. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I'm like literally taking off all my army man clothes and like letting my hair down and like opening my my blouse and like watercoloring on the set of this western. It was like I was I was uh they kept trying to dress me up as a soldier and I was like no I am a renaissance uh, painter. <laughs> I'm a renaissance fairy painter woman. I think of like the potlucks that I've had in my life, like uh, little like family dinner things. I feel like uh, queer communities really love that kind of potlucky thing. I'll watch a Miyazaki movie. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Um, I love things like that. I've also, you know, really been thinking about how much grief there is in the world. Um, and kind of like I was saying, so many trans narratives fixate on this grief and this pain. And I, you know, it's hard for me not to do that also because I also, you know, know a lot of trans people who have died from the system that have died like, you know, directly because of poverty because of like fentanyl because they like couldn't get a job because they couldn't pay their rent stuff like that uh because they were literally killed you know so it's like i have a lot of that grief too but i've been really really thinking about how the world needs balancing energies and like if you spend all your time trying to drive the darkness out you're it's a waste of time because it's part of the world the darkness is so i've just been really thinking about how we can uh instead of eradicating what we don't like creating a balancing force so i think um celebration like in the wake of the q uh the club q shooting for instance like what i was thinking about is i really just think we need more kind of underground queer raves then you know like don't let them put us down like uh play the music louder and like build build the community stronger yeah so i just think about uh performativity and music and dance and uh like truly valuing each other and 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 loving and experiencing each other in as an act of resistance i guess you know instead of getting out into the streets squaring off with the police doing these things that like uh doing these things that are actually like very high risk to our person and questionably effective questionably effective i would say like very low payoff it's like, uh, yeah, Thich Nhat Hanh says, no mud, no lotus. Like you can't grow, you use uh, compost and manure, like dead things to create food, you know? Like that's where everything beautiful in this world comes from in the first place is like, it comes from chaos and disarray and things that we see as very scary and dark, you know? Um, it comes from decay and... Uh, yeah, so I just I just see how in a way we need to like use the grief, we need to use the uh the trauma of living in this system and kind of like not not being understood to grow flowers. <laughs> That's uh the best way I can put it. Never mind the interest rate you can't pay. Welcome to the 
Generation H. Watching you, so watch what you say. Your secrets are safe with the surveillance state. But who needs go and tell bro when you have Facebook? Uh, living the American dream. 40 hour week, and you can't afford to eat. If the booze you call a killer, billionaire in the street. Could you keep history from repeating? just released this album that I've been working on literally uh, I've been producing for like six years I I started writing some of these songs ten years ago so it's a huge accomplishment for me yeah the album is basically about this alien character who lands on the planet earth and is really dismayed at the level of human violence is, is really put off by the fact that there's people sleeping in the streets and the cities and that there's an abundance of food, but there's people going hungry, really put off about, you know, all the empty houses and, and all the war, the exploitation. And so the character is kind of thrown into uh, despair <laughs> and begins reaching for human pleasure as a way to uh, cope. And, and through, through that process of, of uh, hedonism comes to understand a little bit better uh, what, what it is to be a human being and the more positive side of being a human being. So it's kind of this, it's also a pretty autobiographical record. Um, that's like the, the cover story, you know, that it's about an alien, but it's really has a lot to do with my addiction recovery. The, if you follow like the lyrical pathway, like if you read all it, or if you read all 10 songs lyrics, it follows a pretty clear like trajectory talking about just sexuality, uh, drugs, alcohol, like the basic pleasurable, vicing, viceful things in the world uh, and the ways in which they can help and harm you. And it, and it kind of like traces this character base, you know, in the beginning, kind of being a party animal and really uh, celebrating celebrating this uh a wild kind of party culture sex drugs and rock and roll you know uh and and there's a descent basically in the middle where they hit the brick wall you know so i think it could be easy if somebody just listened to the first four songs they might think it was a party record but it is it does have a moral to the moral arc <laughs> to the to the story so um yeah and so the song 10 years in 10 years out which is the last one is about addiction recovery is talking about how I heard someone say that in a meeting 10 miles in 10 miles out if you're you know you were an addict for 10 years but you've only been in recovery for like four years you haven't really like undone a whole 10 years worth of you know saying like 10 miles in 10 miles out you have to you have to kind of uh put the same amount of time into recovery as you did into being an addict you know which I don't even know if I identify that way anymore because my attitude on uh, psychoactives has changed pretty dramatically since then. But uh, yeah, the, the the story is intensely personal for me. And yeah, so it chronicles uh, my recovery, which has been like the last like seven years.
in this long, like, rolling, like, uh, snowballing thing that I've realized, like, I love science fiction and I just, I love the alien aesthetic. And I kind of have realized, yeah, a lot of trans people identify with it because of the sense of, like, not really being from this planet. You know, like, like you look around this planet and pre pretty much there's nowhere that you can go that you're allowed to be what you are. Uh, and I don't think people realize that, that it's literally like, if I'm, if I am on a sidewalk, I have to consider what I wear out of the house. If I am on a sidewalk at all today, if I go into a grocery store, I have to consider what I wear when I leave the house. If I'm going to go into a gas station, I have to, I have to think about that. If I have to stop anywhere and use a public restroom, I have to think about that. Like I can't just go in places and do things. I literally sometimes have to take my clothes off and put on other clothes so that I am presentable in a way that won't put me in danger. So I think a lot of trans people identify with the alien narrative because if an alien came to Earth, people probably would just try to kill it. You know, They wouldn't know what to do with it. They wouldn't understand it. I think it's that, that inherent sense of misunderstanding and misplaced fear, maybe. I just released my first debut album. I'm about to go on a national tour. My biggest hope is that my older self looks back and just doesn't, re you know, doesn't regret and values that I took the necessary risks. <laughs> I hope that my, yeah, I, I would hope that my older self could look back at me now and like, like feel like this was a pivotal time in which like I couldn't have become the person I, I am in the future unless this happened right now. You know what I'm saying? I hope this is like the moment that I, that I bloom into like my true my true self and the 80 year old me is looking back thinking, cause I, I really believe that, that maybe we shed off former forms like shells, you know, like a snake has to get rid of its skin. I think that, or like a, a cicada gets rid of a shell, you know, like, I don't know if they stay alive after that, but um, I do think we outgrow our old personality literally. And I think I'm kind of going through something like that. So yeah, I, I hope that my, my older self is just like uh, an old woman looks back on now and realizes that like I allowed looks back and values that I allowed her to exist in the first place. That's, that's the real thing that I hope is that I'm not uh, holding myself back. Like rather, rather. And that's like a value for me is like, rather than restricting something, like if there's a problem, do you restrict it and close it in? Or do you find the solution that, lets it lets it flow and that is that it releases it do you dam up the river or do you find the way to keep the river flowing you know it's like do you close something yeah and so i'm always about like removing restrictions removing restrictions and so yeah i hope six-year-old me looks back and is like you remove those restrictions sis and now i'm a hot weird uh kinky 80 year old <laughs> with a bunch of synthesizers <laughs> I'm still coming to Moab because I drank the matrimony spring water and I'm 
myth, I'm, I'm uh, magically bound or whatever to the place. That's what people say. Um, well, you know, I'm actually, it's interesting because like in town, like at my house, I feel safe. I'm around people. They're safe. I go to parties that I feel safe at. I stay in a lot. I mean, that's just like the truth. And I've, I've talked to a lot of older trans women that that's what they do too. It's kind of something that a lot of trans people end up doing. And that's why like a lot of time you look into who are the famous trans people. They're like electronic music producers that have a just huge synthesizer thing in their basement because they like can't go outside. You know, they're like they have a crazy library or something like that. Like they tend to have like extreme shut in uh, like, they, yeah, because it's like literally dangerous for us to go outside a lot of time. So it's uh, like there. Yeah, we just tend to get into stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, I spend a lot of time inside for that reason but also the reason i'm in moab is because of the outside it is because of the outdoors um also my partner lives here so it's interesting like it has a lot to do with circumstance but i do i mean every time i leave the house here i don't regret it so regardless of like the social circumstance also another thing that's important to bring up is like even though i've had those experiences in moab i have those experiences everywhere and uh just because maybe the intensity is particularly cranked up during certain times of year or in certain places and I get stressed out, it's actually not that much of a reflection on one specific place as it is on kind of a global culture of transphobia that is all pervasive and pretty much doesn't there's, – there's very few safe places to shield yourself against that. So I wouldn't like single this place out as more or less dangerous than other places. Um, but yeah, I mean I spend – when I when I do go out in nature, like I love going on a uh, Hidden Valley and like Stairmaster back there, and like uh, the whole Cane Creek area is amazing, like a back and like uh, Moonflower Canyon, obviously. Um, but we found like a little secret, a little secret canyon that had like the, the springs coming out. I mean, it really comes down to mystical. The land is just mystical, you know. You're seeing the seep spring, literal waterfalls coming out of the side of the inside of rock dropping like fresh water down, you're like drinking out of a pool of crystalline, crystalline uh, filtered water, you know, uh, finding these bright green frogs. I mean, we were doing the, like the desert raves and stuff like almost every full moon we've done something since I've been here, which I think is amazing. Uh, almost every single full moon we go like out into arches and watch it. Or we go, we've watched two lunar eclipses in the desert. Uh, and I have – yeah, and it's just – it's hilarious because like living in the city, like when do you even like see the stars or the moon, you know? So the plants are amazing. Uh, the rocks I find to be very spiritual because they're so old and because like they were not – it didn't only take 200 million years for them to get compressed in the rock. It also took like however many other million years for them to get carved out. It's just I, – I feel like I can see a totally different scale of time. When I like look out at the land here, like I'm I'm seeing aeons pass and realizing how small my life is in the midst of all this. And so, yeah, I think if there were, you know, what does bring me back is is the, the land um, being able to interact with a kind of wild place because I am from a very developed place. I'm from a place where it's all Wendy's and Chevron's as far as the eye can see. So mountains and mesas and buttes and stuff still totally alien to me. So it's like, am I going to get vibed? Am I going to get vibed at the Chevron or am I, <laughs> I going to get vibed, vibed at the, uh, next to the Mesa? It's, it's a pretty easy decision there. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, it is, it is a, it's a lovely place, undeniably lovely place, alien landscape, Martian. You've been listening to Lift Up, a show that elevates community voices in the high desert. Music in today's interview was made by Josie Lohner, whose debut album, Transgalactic, is available across platforms now. Thank you to Josie for spending time with us and sharing your thoughts on identity and home. This episode was produced by Ginger Cyan, with support from KZMU. Lift Up is a storytelling project of KZMU featuring conversations with locals whose identities and experiences have not traditionally been prioritized on the airwaves. Lift Up intends to deepen understanding and empathy within our community and reinforce a sense of safety and belonging for all. Lift Up is made possible with the support of Moab Pride and Moab City. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.